0: Welcome back to the Gavel and the Gavel, it's me, Harry, and I am joined Oh no, hang on, where am I? I'm at Windsor Auctions. And where are you, Simon? You're
1: at Windsor Auctions, Harry, because I'm in deepest, darkest, lovely Devon at Lime Bay Auctions. It's Simon here from Devon. How are you, my friend? I'm very well. Although we have spent an inordinate amount of time together in the last I'm gonna say I'm gonna say too much, <laughs> is what I'm gonna say. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> Too much, Harry. Okay, think we'll
0: we think we have. We're going to talk that. We'll talk about I that. I think we tested pod.
1: that relationship to its <laughs> nth degree, to breaking point. Anyway, here we are for another episode.
0: What have you got for me? I want to tell you about my week. Oh, I went. I went to a, do a talk at U3A. What's that then? And U3A, they're a na- nationwide organisation. Their motto is learn, laugh, live. Learn, laugh, live. And they're a UK-wide collection of about a 1,000 charities. And they provide an opportunity, if you're not in work anymore, to come together and learn for, just for fun, you know, all the rest of it. And I went to talk to the Windsor branch or the Windsor and surrounding branch. I went to talk to their history society. And they oh, wanted me nice. to do a talk about the life of an auctioneer. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I did How that did five that minutes, then I drank tea and ate cake. No, I'm teasing <laughs> Do you know what? It was great fun. I tell you what's very interesting. Um, one of the subject topics, and this is going to be controversial considering what we do, is the and the people we interview and the people we get on with, was the volume of antique shows on the TV. Uh they were delighted by the fact that there were so many? No, they were not, not as delighted as you might think. Yeah, they thought too many, too many now. They said in the last month they could name three new shows that had all come on board. Really? It was very entertaining. They had their favourites on each on each show. Um, and I don't know how we got onto this topic. Oh, I was talking about the fact that I had a face for radio, not for TV, and, that you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, we'll talk about the podcast. And they said, oh, do you do the TV? And I said, no, 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 we don't. And then, um, all the rest of it. And because um, they said they what they did say, doesn't that take up a lot of your time? And uh, I said, I wouldn't know. I do a podcast every week with my friend friends. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, I, yeah, um, no, it was, that was interesting. Um, but they were such a great crowd. Obviously, it's an older generation and they were asking, they wanted to know about everything. They traditional questions, you know, what's the most expensive thing you found? What's mm-hmm. it like doing a house clearance? All that sort of stuff. And then a couple of people said, well, do you donate a lot of the furniture to charity? Which I know is something we've been trying to organise more of. And they were really quick to say, we volunteer here, we volunteer there. We've never thought of approaching a, an auction house to get beds and cook cooking yeah, um, yeah. pots and pans and stuff from house clearance, which would save us a fortune. So we've started two new... Uh, A little in... in, They've started with us. I'm not going to take credit for it. uh, Two little um, sort of projects with their smaller charities locally to see whether we can help people out. So that was really interesting. So, yeah, good morning. Good morning. Actually, I have to say. Do you know what? That is good because, I, you know, when
1: we're out doing house clearances and quoting for house clearances, we do get a little bit of resistance from people saying, well, you're not really going to recycle all the kitchen equipment. Yeah, we are because... There's nowhere else to put it. People don't, they're not looking for it. they well, surely somebody will want it. No, they don't. That's the problem. That is the issue that, you know, we aren't able to upcycle and recycle some of this stuff. So we need to get the message out there. Um, so that's great if that worked at U3A. Mm.
0: Uh, what was interesting is I also, um, some of the people had known of me um, and one of the people and so I'm in my mid-50s and one of the ladies came up and said, you were at nursery uh, with my daughter and uh, you could definitely do with losing a few pounds. And that was as I walked towards the stage <laughs> to lovely to my lovely crew. I went, hmm, that's not that's not dented by confidence at all. Here I go. I'm sure she shouldn't put herself forward
1: for the warm-up
0: act. I tell you what, I did regale everybody in the room, but I was chuckling away going, that's the problem of growing up and working in the same area, isn't it? That people yeah. have known you or recognised you for a long time. But uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was good fun. Now, we're giving the pod over, are we, we not? Are. We are. To an interesting and emotive topic. And uh, we're going to give the pod over. And it's all about the chemical flame retardant consultation. I have to say, I knew very little or nothing about this until these ladies
1: uh, brought this to our attention. So if you are in the industry, or if you are listening because you are interested, particularly in the environmental aspects of this industry and what we do, I think you will find this and the associated information that's coming your way
0: really rather interesting. Well, dear listener, the time has come for a serious moment in the podcast. Uh, We have two fantastic guests who have brought to our attention a consultation that needs the attention and the support of the antiques and wider industry. Um, It's the Chemical Flame Retardant Consultation. And I am delighted to uh, bring back to the pod Sharon O'Connor, And welcome for the first time. But we hope this is the first trip of many uh, for Delith, Featherstone, Dilk. And they're going to talk about that and explain. It's a complicated subject, I believe, ladies, but you're going to steer us through it because it's an important issue. Hi. How are you both?
2: Thanks, Harry. Good. Thank you. Where, where we stand at the moment is we have fire regulations that we comply with. Now, there is a proposed legislation and Delith, who is a former lawyer, will correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a proposed draft legislation to change the rules. Uh, which which are well needed. However, we feel that they haven't taken into account the circular economy. They haven't taken into account pre-loved furniture. They're very heavily weighted towards new furniture from big furniture brands. And it's missed a whole section of the industry out. And that's why we're raising awareness about the issues, about the level of toxins, and about why we need to take action and what we can do to oppose these.
1: Okay, so could you could you help us out on the pod because? Um, I definitely need help. Uh, We all know that. Um, But if you could give us an overview as to what these changes are, and of course, most importantly, how that's going to affect uh, the upholstery business and the secondhand furniture business.
3: Well, currently, all furniture has to comply with this fire safety legislation. But there are serious doubts that it actually creates any real fire safety. And there is no doubt at all that in the case of a fire, these chemicals release toxins. But what is also really worrying is that um, the chemicals put into, you know, top fabrics and foam and furniture also um, they seep out of the furniture over its life. And each time you sit on it, they they puff out. And they are they're neurotoxic and they're particularly harmful for children. And they're just not a great chemical. And there are many chemicals that do a really good job, but these ones, their job has been seriously questioned by a group of UK scientists who've signed a consensus statement saying they have troubles with them. And we're not sure they're doing any good. So that, that is my main problem
1: so Jonathan, is this sorry to be just to be is this the chemical that they're using to make the fabrics fire retardant to supposedly make them fire retardant to yes. supposedly make them fire retardant so what we're saying is that the chemicals that are being used whilst may or may not help the fabrics become less dangerous during a fire, have an adverse effect in in another way in terms of, of what they're doing to the environment and to the people that are using them. It, it, have yeah. I got that
3: right? Yeah, the government has recognised that they're toxic. And because of that, they've insisted that when we dispose of waste furniture, it all has to go for incineration now. It can't go to landfill because the chemicals are seeping out into our waterways so the government are recognising the problem, but I think in this legislation, they're not dealing with it as well as they could do. Okay, so that's the next
1: step. So how are they proposing to deal with this situation? And what is the, because we're all in the secondhand furniture business, and what's going to be the effects for, for us?
3: Well, there's the one really key effect for the secondhand furniture business is something that I think you all need to speak out of about and have changed. And I think you'll probably succeed because to me, it seems absolutely bonkers. And that's a technical legal term. (laughs) And, and, And that is that if there's no fire label on the chair or sofa, and it's post 1950, you can't sell it. So pre 1950 furniture, all the Victorian and Georgian, you can carry on selling that. That's fine. But for anything that's post 1950, so all of the Arne Jacobsen, Hans Wegner, the beautiful, beautiful era of mid-century modern, according to what's written there at the moment, it looks like those can't be can't sold. be sold at all. Not unless they've got a fire label on. And I must admit, in ten years as an upholsterer, I don't see that many fire labels still on furniture I deal with. No, nor do I
0: no of course and if that, and that's the this is the legislation that was under consultation at the moment so this is the amendment to the existing 1980 help me tell 8, eight thank yes. you 1988 <laughs> um act so that so from whenever this if this is passed in its current form post consultation that's what the change is going to be that all those items will need to be and also what we're now saying is you can ho- have them in your house but if you came to sell them you're saying they'd have to be destroyed rather than go to landfill. Is that right? Or am I getting or, that wrong?
3: Or you can take them to an upholsterer who'd have to completely rebuild them. Whereas much of the work that we get in is not completely stripping down to a wooden frame. Much of our work is how how much can you keep this chair going? You know, yeah. Add a layer, repair it, recover it, make it look lovely, but it doesn't need complete stripping down because that's an awful lot of money for a client and labor for an upholsterer
1: and so Sharon is is that the big issue that you're you're facing at the moment that's going to be the major effect for you is that well you tell me in your own words how if this passes it will affect you
2: so i would probably say 80% of my business is pre-loved family heirloom chairs not all antique there's probably 20% of it's antique Mm-hmm. Which isn't affected as yet. However, they are talking about putting chemicals into horsehair as well, fire retardant chemicals into horsehair. So that is a consideration too. But Granny's Park and Old Chair, much loved heirloom chair, come to me to be upholstered. No fire label. I can't date it. I, I would have to tell them that I'd have to strip it right back to the frame, if it, even if it didn't need it, and re upholster it with new foams and new stuffings and those chemicals are not just in the top fabric they are in the under layers as well the foams the polyesters the calicos they're in the polyesters they're, they're throughout they're throughout the whole chair or sofa now I know prior to the cost of living crisis I would struggle to get my customers to pay for complete rebuilds of all their furniture now within a cost of living crisis I definitely couldn't get that over the line so I wouldn't have a business next next year
1: and isn't there a point at which you say That is no longer Granny's Parker Knoll because of the vast amount of work that now would have to be done to it. In other words, if you strip it all back to the frame and rebuild Mm. it, Mm. is it still is it worth is it still actually that pre loved item or is it now just a new chair?
2: potentially that's what people will think it's not actually an heirloom chair anymore and it's not even the it's not just the heirloom chairs i a lot of my marketing a lot of my messaging is about look at your current furniture look at your lovely family sofa you've had eight to ten years before considering buying a new one if that sofa has served its purpose really well and absolutely fits in your home you still love the style of it there's no reason for you to go and throw it out and buy a new one it can be refurbished and that message has been has been dripping down through my marketing that people i didn't realize you could reupholster it didn't realize you could reupholster a leather sofa had no idea why could we could just change the fabric and a lot of these ch- these sofas that are 10 years old all it needs is new fabric it doesn't need the guts of the whole sofa sent not to landfill incinerated going straight up into co2 mm. which we're supposed to be living in an, in an era now we're looking for clean air but that's the opposite of clean air so yeah it's just it's it's even a so, sofa that's eight or nine years old It's madness.
1: So there's a double impact on the environment here, isn't there? Not just the incineration of the item and all the CO2 that that, but the fact that people are going to be totally put off from recycling or upcycling their old furniture. They're going to buy new and have it shipped from goodness knows where yes. around the world.
3: Yes. Yeah. And Simon, to, to, to add to this, um, America faced the same problem of all the scientists telling them that the flame retardant chemicals weren't healthy. And they did something really positive about it which is they completely cleared up and simplified their fire safety laws, and they've put in place um, a smolder test on top fabric so a cigarette can sit on the top fabric for 45 minutes and they do that by just tightening the weave of the fabric. No chemicals, no chemicals in the foam, total simplicity, all the upholsterers and all the manufacturers know what the rules are so people comply with it because it's simple. And they've not—they did that ten years ago, and you know they've not seen any. And in Europe as well, Europe as well don't have the high chemical usage we have. So it's really—it's an anomaly that we're left with this legislation. So
1: what do you think? I mean, this is this is probably too big a question. But what do you think is driving the government to make what, on the surface of it, from how you've beautifully described it to us? Seems like a ludicrous decision when clearly there are alternatives like the American or the European option. Why do you think they're pushing forward like this?
3: I mean, it's just guess, but I feel it's it's like a hot potato and it's been passed around from department to department. Over 13 years, it's been supposedly under review. I don't think anybody wants to make a really big decision on it. And I think it will need the general public to speak out. Otherwise, it will just sadly pass through.
0: Yeah, just talking from the other side of the coin, perhaps, or the reason why I'm not defending, but we like to try and present from all sides. I think fire is such a emotive subject that um, and politicians particularly like to avoid anything with any emotion or emotive subjects as a whole. Is that the reason why they're just trying to avoid it? They just don't want to be the person who makes that statement or um, says, "Okay, actually, we're going to send this back to have a little bit more consultation or a little bit more testing. We need to better educate ourselves.
3: I think I think you're perfectly right. And the, the, the sad thing is that I've been in contact with somebody in the Fire Brigade Union, and the Fire Brigade Union have come out with a – they have this annual conference each year, and their last annual conference they had a, a formal record of decisions where they are concerned about these chemicals and the harm they're causing to firefighters –
0: yeah, well, I was going to ask. I was going to ask about that because worst case scenario, there is a house fire, and this stuff's all on fire, and somebody's going in to to do their job and to save lives. It's hard enough battling fire, but when you lob in a load of highly toxic, nasty stuff as mm. well, that's can't that can't help the situation, long term or short term. Surely. Yeah.
3: Uh, well, they they're, they're very concerned, and I think given so few people smoke indoors now. You know, in mm. 1988, when these regulations came out, people were falling asleep on the smoke on the sofa having a cigarette. But that does not happen quite so much anymore.
0: Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Rishi Sunak yesterday announced um, yeah. the gradual ban of all smoking mm. um, by raising year on year uh, the ability to buy cigarettes. So it sounds to me like you need more joined up. It means to be more joined up thinking. I'm not saying that, you know, we need to have fire prevention. Don't get me wrong.
3: This is exactly the point that that it needs to be joined up thinking, working with the fire brigade and assessing the real life practical fire risks and seeing what exact steps can be taken, not just thinking that you solve all problems by pumping chemicals into sofas, because you don't. Mm. And there are some really good practical steps that can be taken that would make an even more meaningful difference. But even though we've got, much more chemicals than Europe. We've got no better fire death statistics. They're the same.
0: Well like Delith, you've you've done the research, so um, that's the uh, you know that's why we've given you the platform so that we can open this debate. Um, just as an aside, we are we open the debate like we did with ivory and that sort of stuff. So if you've got um, opposing views or um, you want more information, do get in contact, Delith. We're going to put some uh, links in our show notes. Uh, I believe episode notes. Um, David will take care of that. Producer Dave. Um, about the website you've set up, um, pointing people in the direction. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
3: Well, I just would encourage people to respond to the consultation. And if you're concerned that furniture can't be resold, or if you're concerned that the upholsterers really are going to have very little choice except for using chemically treated um, fillings, or if you're concerned that we as a country are taking this approach rather than following Europe or the Americans, then, yeah, no, I, I encourage you to to give your view. And what's the address of your website? It's uh, eco-chair.co.uk.
0: Lovely job. Okay, so th- that will be in the uh, episode notes. Uh, go there, and it will point you in all the right directions. And it's a really, uh, it, it's you know, you need, to, you need to have a look at it. Don't you think, Simon? I absolutely do think that. And I think it's, it's a concern
1: that, that what the ladies are saying is there is no doubt we want fire safety. There is no doubt we want protection for families, for, for the child, our children, and all the rest of it. However, there is simply a better way to potentially tackle this problem that isn't going to impact A, the environment, and B, the livelihoods of people who rely on this industry. Um, yeah. And it's and it's a very green industry. And it's so it's simply that there's a better way to go about this that yeah. ticks all the boxes rather than this current, what seems like a very heavy handed approach. Is that is that a fair summation?
2: Very fair. Brilliant. Yeah. And also just as a note as well, they are removing the toxins from baby products like cots and prams so as it stands today they're still in cots and prams that is being removed however we don't just put our children and our pets in cots and prams they're on mattresses and sofas and chairs within our home environment so we're taking it away from one area but we're leaving it in a huge other area
1: so to 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 sort of just start to wrap it up people need to come forward and support this campaign and they can Primarily, the action is to go to your website, read up about it, and if they feel strongly enough, support this action. Is that right?
2: And Dalith has made it really simple. She's made it really simple on how you can oppose it. It's not quick. It's not, it's not, an, it's not an e-signature. It will take 20 minutes to put an opposition in. But the more that do it, the more it will get noticed.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. Harry? Do you want to wrap this one up? Because it seems like a rather important topic for us as well. Owning two auction houses, trying to make a living out of recycling and upcycling
0: furniture. Well, absolutely. I mean, I have looked at the uh, website because I I was lucky enough to get a message late at night last night. It was my bedtime reading. Um, And Deleth has done an amazing job of making it because it's none of these things are easy. In wrapping up, what we I would draw your attention to, and this is going out on Monday, the 9th uh, of October, uh, Delith, what is the date for the end of this consultation, which has sort of taken everybody a bit, well, taken us by
3: surprise. What's the date? 24th of October.
0: 24th of October. So you've only gotten to the 24th of October to read up on it and get your uh, objections or make a considered opinion um, about this issue. But I, I'm, I can only thank both of you for drawing it to our attention and Sharon uh, for being, you know, your usual quiet, retiring self and uh, getting hold of me and saying, you will be doing this, won't <laughs> you, basically, is how this worked. Very difficult to say no.
2: I think there is a whole tranche that won't realise that the whole second-hand industry it impacts massively. Auction houses, antique market, it, it, it affects us all. eBay, Vinteria, all of these brands that sell furniture that is not all antique a lot of it is mid-century it's very amb. it's 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 very worrying if it goes ahead in its current state
0: it needs it needs more thinking yeah. doesn't it um thank you so much to the pair of you for joining us um i know uh that you will come back to us um i hope um later in the year or beginning of next year with an update on where we're up to what's happened um your thoughts on whatever does get through because that's what our listeners like to hear and thank you so much for joining us
3: thank you thank you
1: thank you so much yeah thank you for drawing this to our attention ladies because i've got to tell you i don't know what my excuse is but i didn't know anything about this until now and i'm so glad that you have brought brought this to our attention and we will certainly look deeper into it ourselves as well so thank you very
0: much indeed thank you Well, Simon, hmm. Delith and Sharon, they, uh, they're they banging the drum for obviously a, a situation that they feel very passionately about. Uh, just as an aside, uh, Delith wanted me to mention that she has provided us with lots of links that will be in the episode notes so that people can better educate themselves on current legislation, consultation, the whole nine yards. So that's there. But what did you think? is there is there an issue here as well that we
1: can discuss without them that uh, did you know about this before
0: the ladies brought this to our attention no 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 if we had thank you interv- yeah. yeah if we hadn't interviewed sharon before and she felt that she could uh, reach out to us and say can you give us 15 minutes on the pod to yeah. chat it through and draw because they're literally looking for any way of drawing it to people's attention and like all these things it's all a bit No disrespect to anybody. It's all a bit rushed. It's all a bit last minute because I think you know it's just sort of come across come uh, uh, upon them uh, because it's you know late. It's late for us all. But what I'm saying is, Harry,
1: is this will massively affect you and I and our auction houses and what we can and cannot sell, and therefore our revenue and our bottom line. And I suspect we're not the only auctioneers in the land. That knew nothing about this and so therefore there is another issue in terms of are we not doing enough to keep ourselves abreast of the situations that are coming our way because you don't want this suddenly foisted on you and thank god that the ladies that came to us and said can we you know can we use the gavel and the gavel to to get this out there on top of which it is a very emotive subject it is a difficult subject and I think the ladies put across the point very well that we are not against protecting the you know the health and well-being of our citizens but there could potentially be a better way of doing this that doesn't impact
0: everybody quite so harshly yeah I just it sounds to me like it sounds to me like there needs to be just more time given to research and properly more joined up thinking but it's like a lot of things isn't it you know we it's very tricky isn't it but it sounds to me like you can't have recycling tell people that they can't put things in landfill and then put endless blocks on that happening Mm. and we are in the center of a terrible cost of living crisis that does not mean that we should put people's lives at risk with inadequate fire protection, I'm really hoping that somebody gets in touch with us and says, I'd like to come on the pod and talk to you about why we're going in that direction. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Or we at least spark the debate and says, look, this is the reason we're heading in that direction. And that's the reason why we're doing it. Because that may, you know, we need to see both sides of the coin. At the moment, we didn't know any sides of the coin. I didn't know the coin existed, Harry. That would be part of my
1: issue at the moment is nobody told me there was a coin. So I haven't looked at either side or around the outside of the coin. I didn't know the coin was actually there. So thank goodness um, that the ladies have brought it to our attention. Whatever your opinion may or may not be or your response to it, do feel free, free to share. Try and be kind, try and be nice, Um, and let's use the gavel and the gabble as our industry podcast to thrash out some of these issues, like we did with the ivory issue. This, to me, also seems like an important issue that we should be all looking into and understanding how it affects us, the environment, the planet, our citizens and our business going forward. Before we end up with it foisted upon us With
0: no say whatsoever Yeah, absolutely Absolutely That is the way for that is, Let's do that um, Mate, I'm seeing you in a couple of days We're going to record another episode, I believe um, So uh, stay well for that period of time Look forward to it, my friend And uh, I think it's been an interesting day I've learned a lot Hasn't it? Hasn't it?
1: Very thought-provoking yeah. I'm going to go away and do some thinking There's going to be some research now. All right, buddy. Thank you, Harry. Cheers, pal.